0: Welcome to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. In this podcast, we tackle difficult issues related to living, loving, and leading in a broken world. We hope you are encouraged by today's episode. Welcome back to Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Always great to be here with my buddy John. How you doing, man?
1: Man, I am doing fantastic, couldn't be better, and glad to be here today. I'm excited about, man, Jerry, Nance is with us, so I'm really excited about yeah. uh, being here and doing this
0: podcast today. This will be our first episode where we've actually ever had a guest. Oh, I'm so lucky. Well, you <laughs> know, you, 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 we'll either set the bar really high or really low, so, you know. Yeah, you may never invite anybody else, that's all I can say.
2: God bless I, you. Yeah,
0: well, it's the first week of March. You know, in some parts of the United States, it's starting to get a little warm, starting to spring is happening. And of course, March is famous for March madness, you know, so uh, you guys big basketball fans?
2: Yeah, I love watching March Madness, but I usually only start watching when they get down to about the last eight or sixteen, eight and four, because I—that's when I get really interested. Sure. Yeah,
1: I, I fill out my chart. You fill out a chart, yes, with the you know sixty-four teams or whatever, uh, and it is—it's the greatest exercise of prayer all year long. <laughs> Because I really haven't watched any of the teams. So I'm like, God, uh, who's going to win? Creighton or? Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, That's yeah. your
0: greatest exercise of prayer in the entire year, John. Sports wise. To... <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, that might have been an exaggeration slightly. <laughs> you just got an insight into John Bailey's uh, prayer life. Yeah. Uh, no. uh, so, any, any, I mean, we're, we're way out in front. Any picks for this year?
1: Yeah, it's way out in front. I mean, uh, you know, I, I'm I'm a SEC guy, so I think Alabama's up there. I'm always for the Florida Gators. Uh but there's, you know, then there's faith and then there's like <laughs> you know, crazy faith. Yeah. <laughs> and then there's so, Yeah. Yeah. It's, so yeah.
2: It's it's hard. I grew up in Arkansas, so I've always been hoping to see the Hogs, you know, get on get on up there. And basketball used to be kind of one of their strengths. And so, but very rarely do you ever see them in the in the finals but sure. but they would be my love to see them really do well this year yeah well
0: jerry it's an honor to have you here with us today yeah. jerry nance for those who are listening is the chairman of the board of global teen challenge uh jerry most a lot of our listeners probably know what teen challenge is but can you give us Um, A brief introduction to what Teen Challenge is, because that's going to guide our conversation today.
2: Sure. You know, it's interesting. Um, America, in the late 50s, totally unaware of what was happening in America, there was a drug called heroin coming into America, and all of a sudden these kids started using it. And America didn't have a clue, but uh, a young boy named Michael Farmer was had had an issue with polio as a kid couldn't run very fast and he and his buddy had slipped into a swimming pool of park and in, in, in new york and the you know over in brooklyn and swam and came out and a gang of boys just had, you know murdered him stabbed him 19 times horrible murder and david wilkerson read this article about this Murdering seven boys that were on trial for murder, and, and uh, Out and, of Life magazine.
0: And David was kind of a country preacher. At, oh, from he Pennsylvania, was in Turtle right? Creek,
2: Pennsylvania area. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and he had never been to New York City, never had a heart for the street kids and stuff like that. But God just t- t- touched him and said, "Go help those boys." Mm-hmm. Yeah. And by that just word from God, he told his church what he was going to do. Long story short went to New York and started talking to kids in the streets. And all of a sudden he saw all these drug addicts and they, he was trying to figure out how do you have there's gangs, but then gangs were all engaged in drugs. Mm. And so it was the first sign really in the history of America, how drugs came on the scene. And, and then God just touched David's heart. Like, we're going to try to help these kids. And the first thing he did naively was, would you take a boy for the night at your house? (laughs) And and, and you said, absolutely, I'm going to try to help this little kid. Well, the next morning, your TV was (laughs) gone, your wallet was gone, your car was gone. And so he stopped having people say yes. So he decided to start a program called Teen Challenge. And, I mean, it was birthed out of prayer. It was birthed out of need. And then all of a sudden, God just put that that same calling and anointing Mm. On other people's hearts, like somebody in Chicago said, we got to have one of those here, mm. and in you know, in other parts of America, and then after a number of years, uh, it it really it went to the Hague, Netherlands, and then all across Europe, and then to Asia, and today we have Teen Challenge centers in 143 countries of the world, wow. some eight thousand uh, locations with some 35,000 boys, girls, men and women in residential care and that's probably the what we would call the sweet spot of Teen Challenge mm-hmm. is a long-term residential program for people suffering from addiction.
0: Now if if I remember right, Teen Challenge has an incredible success rate
2: yes yes all the research studies over all the years i mean as back as early as the 73 74 dr Catherine hess did the first study back in the day and and the the rates have always been between in the 80s to 86 percent kind of success you know that that who if you complete the program now if you leave early sure. that's another story but from those that enter the program and complete the program and you know we've found students from time to time they'll stumble a day or two afterwards but they'll get back up because the truth sets you free mm. the bible mm. verses like scripture memorization is one of the courses so these folks coming off the streets their minds are messed mm. up on drugs they start memorizing the scriptures and god mm. starts healing their minds their hearts their bodies it's it's incredible
1: so um, obviously, scripture memory is one of the one of the tools that's used there. In your opinion, like what what is it about Teen Challenge that has such an incredible rate of success? Because when you and give us the numbers of what the general uh, drug and alcohol rehab uh, rates are for people finding victory as opposed to Teen Challenge, and what what is it that makes Teen Challenge? So successful. Well,
2: most of the research studies that have been done on other programs, <clears> these <throat> by and large are 28 day <throat> to 30 day programs. So okay. it's somewhat right. unfair sure. to measure, you're, you're, you know, you're measuring apples to oranges, but they're right. about 10% because they're mm. short term programs and they may get someone off of drugs, but they haven't had the time to impact their mental uh, life, their emotional life, their spiritual life. Their family restoration. So, time the length of the program and the faith factor. You know, we know that faith in Teen Challenge, an individual that, you know, puts their trust and their their hope in Christ, that it'll change their life. And when that happens, you start seeing the change in their lives. And it takes months sometimes for the families even to trust. What they're seeing because they think this is another con, of course. And yeah. so you, it takes time, but that mm. is the 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 greatest part. And then part of Teen Challenge is the like probably seventy percent of all our staff are graduates of the program. So you've got addicts helping addicts. You got mentors that said, "I was there. I had those feelings. Here's how you're feeling now." Those people are speaking life mm. back into the to the students because they've been in those shoes. Sure. You know, and, and it's, but this is kind of a humorous thing. Students asked of me one time, they assume because you work in the addiction field that you were an addict for whatever reason, people assume <laughs> that. And they, and they said, uh, uh, Dr. J. They, they call me Dr. J. Dr. J. What was your drug of choice? And I, Thought about it a second, I said my drug of choice was my mama. Drugged me to church every time the door was open, and that's the only drug I ever heard about. How,
1: how did you feel when she drug
2: you to church? Yeah, well, you know, I didn't have a choice. But but he said, but you act like us, and I thought that, that's one of the greatest compliments I think I've ever had. It from a student was, but you act like us. I thought, is that good or is that bad? I, I don't know. But but I think I've I've come to realize that. You know, God just put in my heart every child deserves a chance. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of the theme of my life Mm -hmm. is, and it could be in every adult, but it's everybody deserves a chance because people, I had a brother in law said to me one time, Why do you work with drug addicts? Ah, They're what a waste of time. Tell them to get a job as if that's the solution. Well, you know, when you start hearing the stories and of the pain, of the abuse, of the hurts, my heart just—I I think one day I'll stop crying sure. over hearing these stories, but I'll hear another one and I'll just weep. Knowing mm-hmm. the pain they experienced as a child—physical abuse, sexual abuse—I mean things that just you would never talk about on on, on a program like this. Sure. But it—it's—it's it's so painful that you say this child deserves a chance. So if I can provide a bed and a place of care and hope. Where they're going to get loving care and mercy no matter what they've done sure. no matter what's happened to them god's mercy should be given through us as examples of what christian faith looks like Amen. so we we go the second mile sure. to try to to give them grace and mercy to to just love on them and and to say there is hope and that's that the day they walk through the door we're telling them there's hope for you because look at where he is and look at where she is and look what you can be, and and I think that's what drives my passion to sure. do what I've been doing all these years.
0: Today, you know, one of the the topic we really want to address is, you know, there's a addictions on the rise. Oh yeah, in America, whether it's drugs, alcohol, sex addiction, porn addiction, so many forms of addiction that are ruining people's lives. Right but they're also really deeply impacting families. Right. You know, um, my my wife has a background in crisis response, and she's done a lot on like crisis Mm helplines, you know, and talking to people. And she would would talk to people all the time who were addicts of some form. And, you know, she would always talk about community, you know, who do you have family, all this. And, And the one commonality was they didn't have anybody. They'd run every single person out of their life so the only people they had in their life were people like them you know and so today we want to try to offer help Mm. and hope to those who have an addict in their life and so to start with maybe we could just start with what are the signs that a family member might look for in somebody to know if you know i don't know if there's a fine line between a user and an addict Yeah. But help us walk through that process. Well, there is.
2: And, uh, you know, some folks that casually start using drugs with their friends at school, they can they'll get up and go to work or they'll get up and go to school. They'll still make grades there. They'll still compete in sports. They'll still be cheerleaders or whatever it is they're doing at school or work. They can compete. uh, Functioning people that are just using for fun of it. Mm. That generally only lasts so long you can only play that game and play with that that kind of a a situation very long before you're going to start wanting more and more and more and then it becomes daily occurrence and you start watching that weekend user become a daily user there's all different kind of signs that change you know kid can come home too late they're going to lie about where they were they're going to spend money that they don't have they're going to lie about that you're going to start as a parent missing monies in your mm-hmm. wallets or in your house, you may even start missing items from your house and wondering what happened to that and all of a sudden they're starting to sell these things to, to find a way to get money and, and someone who's using on a, on a daily basis, I've heard addicts say this years after years after, they wake up and the first thought that runs through their mind is where am I going to get the money or the item to steal and sell for my drugs today. So that's that's where you start seeing it becoming a real, real issue with them. And then the loss of jobs, loss of relationships, they're going to burn their friends because they're going to try to sleep at somebody's house. They're going sure. to keep using them, borrowing money, bumming money. It, it's just a slow downward spiral, sometimes a fast downward spiral. So parents. Looking at these signs of watching some of these behaviors. And I mean, it's first by lying. That's that you'll just, the parents know they're not getting the truth, but they can't get the truth. And, and they just know they're lying. And, uh, but it, it, it just starts growing from there.
1: Yeah. You know, as a pastor for years, I found that uh, people who would deal with addictions like this, <clears throat> that um, is no longer really, they're not really in their right mind. Right. So, in a in a time and a place, we go. I would never steal from my grandmother. Right. I would never steal from my parents. But that addiction starts to to drive them. Right. And when you start to see that, when you start to see that in an individuals' lives, so you know, the name of our podcast is Grace and Truth. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could tell us, like, at what places do you go? Hey, in this situation, I'm seeing some signs from my loved one. How do I need to sh- share grace? And how do I need to speak truth?
2: Right, right. Well, you know, when you, you, the, my, I always challenge, you know, moms and dads, you have to confront the, the individual with the reality of what's going on. These behaviors are absolute truth around what's going on. So you've got to be honest and confront that. And, and it, it often comes out in a fight to where mom and dad are yelling, because their son or daughter are doing things and they know they're doing things, they're not showing up or they're you know wrecking cars, they're getting in trouble with the law. And so the grace side says we just want to keep enabling them and helping them because they're promising, I'll never do it again, I'll never do it again, I'll never do it again. And you're believing them saying, we're so proud of you making that commitment. But in fact, behind the scenes, they're doing it again. And it just becomes this back and forth of trying to have mercy. And look, the mother's love, father's love for their child, they're they're wanting to believe the best of their child. And that's that mercy side of it. The truth side of really addressing the truth is you have to stop enabling them. Mm. They get arrested and they go to jail. Don't bail them out. Let me just, Mm. every listener needs to hear me say this. Stop it. Mm. You got to stop doing that. I can
0: only imagine how hard that is.
2: Oh, especially
1: if you have resources and your child's in jail and you go, Hey, I could save them
0: from
2: the pain.
0: And And we know of the terrible things that happen in jail. But
2: if you think, yeah, yeah, if you think about what could happen to my child in that jail overnight with all those other criminals, well, listen, all those other criminals are doing the same thing (laughs) your your child (laughs) is doing. So uh, wake up. I mean, honestly, yeah. you, if, if they don't feel the pain, if the pain of change mm. is not hard enough on that person, they're not going to change. You, yeah. And you as a parent, there's a biblical principle I tell parents all the time, and your are listening audience, really need to hear me. What is the law of the harvest? The law of the harvest is you reap what you sow. And if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you're going to reap generously. But if I sow behaviors of drug use and abuse, I'm going to have some consequences that are going to be right here. Now, if if the parent runs in here, their child did this, and they run here and then they jump in and take the gap of the law of the harvest, what they just did and said, I'm going to take the wrap the and I'm going I'm to take care of this for my child. Their child feels no part of the law of the harvest. And so their child just keeps doing what they're doing. You know why? Because you just extended mm. their addiction. You're not helping, you're hurting. You're now. enabling. You're enabling. Okay. And I'm, I'm just saying, I have, I have said this a thousand times to mm. parents, stop doing this because you keep catching it because you care about your child. You've got to let them feel that pain. It has to be costly enough. Mm. They don't want to feel this any longer. And, and letting a child spend the night in a jail, you do run the risk of them getting beat up or whatever happens. The reality is that's still what they need to experience because they made choices. They need to experience consequences because when that gets tired, they get tired enough of that. Mm. It's when they're going to say, Mom, Dad, please help me. And then when they say help, then make that decision to either get them. There's different kinds of help. Mm-hmm. There's external help or there's long-term residential program kind of help. And, and those are the things that the parents can do. But the worst thing they can do is continue to enable. John,
0: I can only imagine mm-hmm. that through the years pastoring, you had to have people in your church who had kids or spouses or whatever who were dealing with addiction at a church level, what did you do?
1: You know, it's difficult because you, you are just like Jerry's saying is that you can give advice to parents and you can you can speak and share, like, hey, this is this is what you should do. But when it comes when it comes down to it, you know, there's my child and sure. I want to to spare them. So there's so many times that you see people that even when you advise them and even when you tell them you're probably just extending the time. One thing that we I would say to parents is like it, it, it's it's like you know it, it's like throwing the dice. Mm. You throw the dice so many times, and the numbers are going to come up. You, you you start using drugs, and especially some of the drugs that are on the market today, oh, man. and uh, you you can be you can be helping to drive them to a place that that then when when you're dealing with something that's life altering or even life threatening yeah life threatening yeah. yeah now now there's no more enabling and you think that you're trying to help your your loved one but you're really putting them in a more grave situation well, you know, without really realizing
0: it yeah you know you and I live in Colorado yeah. and more people died of fentanyl in the last 3 years than died of covid you know so we think about the covid yeah. pandemic and how that was devastating but Fentanyl is just absolutely destroying, you know, families' lives. We hear it all the yep. time. I mean, children who get a hold of their parents' yeah. fentanyl and then end up, you know, dead. Babysitters. I mean, just, yeah. it, it's tragic. It's incredible. And so, you know, we don't want to leave people with the idea that addiction is terminal. No, no. And, oh, and no, I no. Know, you know, so, you know, one of the things that just flows out of Teen Challenge that I love so much is
2: hmm. hope. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah,
0: You know, that if, if ever I've been involved with a ministry that kind of says, you can't sink too low, right? that yep. Christ cannot redeem you yeah. and rescue yeah. you, it's Teen Challenge.
2: Amen. Oh, you know,
0: because, I mean, the stories are just, you know, the records are replete with just story after story after story yeah. of people whose lives were absolutely right yeah. you know destroyed and God brought them back and you know didn't just save them. That's one thing I love about the gospel he doesn't just save our souls right He saves yeah. our lives Amen. you know Amen. I, I, you know I know you could tell story after story of yeah. people whose lives have been changed and you know there's they were spiritually redeemed, but right. they're their marriages were put back together yeah, family relationships absolutely. were restored so you you mentioned residential mm-hmm. plans that's that's the sweet spot of right. teen challenge you mentioned the 28 day 30 day programs mm-hmm. what else is there out there you know not everybody can get into a teen challenge program right. not everybody's i can only imagine i mean you tell somebody You tell an addict who's worried about, I mean, he's living moment by moment or she's living moment by moment that they're going to be in a program for a year. Right. I can only imagine. they got to get pretty low before they're even willing to submit to that.
1: Hey, Hey, and to add to that, so if somebody came to a teen challenge facility and they bring their loved one, would you guys just automatically go, yeah, you should be in Teen Challenge? Or do you do counseling totally, with them to go, yeah. you know what, you could do this in the church, or you could do this with a counselor, or you need to be in a your care facility? Right. So h- how do you I've, navigate yeah, through yeah. that? Right. That's well,
2: we do intake uh, assessments of every individual coming through the doors as to what the level of their addiction is. Mm-hmm. And if they've been using and abusing at, at a level that we really see – uh, uh, like an outpatient program where they can go into, there's a program that Teen Challenge partnered with uh, years ago called Living Free. There's mm-hmm. also all kinds of other um, uh, of just like once a week kind of programs across America that can be utilized for really holding yourself accountable. You know, you, you mentioned it earlier, uh, Mark, the, about isolation, that's people isolate themselves because of their behaviors, but they also that's one of the number one uh, choices of an addict is to isolate. Mm. And parents a lot of times are are so embarrassed to get help for their child because it just embarrasses them to have to think about their child being in such a way and so many addicts coming through our doors today because of over the you know like um hydrocodone mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. athletic injuries and and things like that where all of a sudden they were overprescribed, you know, some years back mm-hmm. and they were getting bottles of 60 and 80 tablets of this stuff. Well, you start using that uh, not as prescribed and you you really get so addicted to it that it, then you start buying it off the street. That's where you get into this fentanyl and other things and you're buying it illegally. But in all honesty, there's so many that have come that genuinely, they were, they're good, hard-working people. They've got intelligence. They're educated. They're talented. I'm always shocked at the extreme talent of people coming in. And We had a gentleman that owned three different veterinarian clinics. He was brilliant. But as a child, he had been kind of abused, and he used to sneak out and climb into a window of a veterinary clinic and sleep on the floor in this veterinary clinic because the guy let him volunteer there. And he just loved it so much there. Finally, the fellow found him there so many times he just bought him a bed and let him sleep there. Mm. Well, he grew up and became a veterinarian but got some some pressures on him and started actually using horse tranquilizers Mm. (laughs) and— And was so knocked out on dope that, that he just started ruining his business and stuff. So he came in, and he said, don't ever put me in front of a church to testify, to tell my story, because I operated on somebody's cat, <laughs> you know, or I operated on <laughs> somebody's dog. But brilliant, talented, but just got in. Look, there's life's a, a series of seasons, and he got into a bad season, mm. made some bad decisions, but today, he's his clinics. He got his medical license restored. Everything, and he's doing great. I could never use his name or anything because sure. it could really hurt his hurt his business. <laughs> but I cannot tell you how many more stories are just like that, where they just made some bad decisions for a short period of time, but realize I got to have help. Here's a guy that was really a millionaire, multi-millionaire, sleeping in a dorm of twenty-eight guys that many of which came off the street from behind a local bar the, you know, the night before. And so it it's incredible the friendships and the loyalties that happen, but you know, addiction is is curable. Yeah. And and what you see, there is so much hope when individuals come in and they all of a sudden you start seeing this transition in their face, in their walk, mm-hmm. and they're just trying to help others. We, we, we talk about the Teen Challenge dynamic, and the Teen Challenge dynamic, dynamic is when the students start discipling the other students, mm-hmm. you start mm-hmm. realizing that that dynamic is happening because their lives have been changed so powerfully, they're truly wanting to reach out and give to the other students in the mm-hmm. program. But for the parents talking about this, there's a program called Sober Peer. Sober Peer, it's online. It's an okay. app. Where someone can go on and get online counseling, online Mm -hmm. coaching and help parents can get input and counseling and so forth. Global Teen Challenge uh, built, paid for and designed that for help. There's other different help apps on on, online because you can be totally anonymous and, and talk and get help. There's a lot of people, one out of 10 addicts will seek residential care. So there's a whole lot of people abusing drugs and going to work and driving, and doing other things. But if they can get help online or through a a a uh, confidential uh, small group setting, it's that's where they need to find help. But my my encouragement is get help, do something. If you're breathing. You can do it. You can do it. I don't care what your situations are. If you're alive and you're breathing, there's hope for you. <laughs> Praise yeah. God. Yeah.
1: One of the great stories of hope is uh, is uh, Nikki Cruz. Oh yeah. Uh, Nikki, I go I actually go to church with Nikki Cruz. Great friend. Uh, he was one of those boys. Yeah. That was uh, that, that was a part of David Wilkerson coming to rescue them. Incredible testimony mm-hmm. of God's delivering power. So I want to say to people that are watching today, like there is hope. Amen. And now he's Nikki Cruz has been one of the greatest uh, evangelists in our generation. But the question I want to ask you is this: so there's there's these two aspects of the counseling right. and being able to deal with the the drug and emotional issues. And at the same time, the deep spiritual issues. Right. And I understand that at Teen Challenge, probably one of the greatest reasons for your success is the, the power of the gospel in Jesus Christ is woven through everything. But how do those two things intersect when it comes to helping people that are dealing with addictions and and finding freedom? Because I imagine that both of those
2: are areas that you would rely upon. Absolutely. Absolutely, and you know it. It happens just as the daily schedule's going on. I mean, you don't you you have classes every day. You have chapel that they're in every day. But just because a, a student sits in chapel doesn't mean they're listening. Mm-hmm. And right. just because you know somebody goes to church, it doesn't mean they're a Christian. Mm-hmm. It and so a student can sit there for months and months and months and just reject anything and everything they're hearing, but as they're doing even I've, I've watched and witnessed even on a work assignment where a guy's out doing a work assignment and it might be washing vans or digging a ditch and they're putting a, a landscaping in at the center mm-hmm. or whatever they're doing they'll be working along and you'll just see this this guy talking and speaking life mm-hmm. into the the mm-hmm. the fellow next to him and they'll talk and they'll be they'll, all of a sudden they'll stop and the guy's got his hand on his arm and they and they're praying and they're just they're finding you know, freedom, and you you just watch, you don't get to dictate when it's gonna happen. Mm -hmm. You have altar services and some guys go down at the altar you have like these work sessions that are at chap or in uh um, my dad volunteered at teen challenge and he said son i'm going to get up with the breakfast with the early crew i'm gonna get up five o'clock and i'm going to go in there and i'm working there and volunteer." And, and he made so many friends with these students and he took his wedding band off hmm. and and put it on the sink one day and was working away and then went back to his hey, modular <laughs> home Uh-oh. and he came back and said, Man, "I forgot my ring. I'm going to go back and get it." Well, it was gone, you know. And he said, "Those dirty rats, you know, they stole my ring." And then all these other students who love my dad were like, "Who took the who ring? Who took the ring? We're going to we're going to kill him." And I mean, whoever took it never did confess or come. And and you're like, "You hate to see that sure. part of it happen." But I said, well, Dad, you learned a valuable lesson, you know. And so we don't leave our vehicle keys in the cars, you know, and and we don't, you know, we, there's things you just have to be careful of. and But at the same time, you just watch God do it mm-hmm. when he wants to do it, how he wants to do it. And in a, in a matter of moments, you can watch grace from heaven touch a, a person's life, and them get transformed. And then the rest of what we do is disciple. Mm -hmm. We're helping them learn how to, I mean, we've got all these courses that they're sitting in on uh, loving God, my father. How do you, the names of God, you're learning the names of God and all the features and the characteristics of God and why your God, your father loves you. And I I mean, you hear these stories. I asked a question one time in a small group meeting, I said, what was your relationship like with your father from the age of, of 5 mm-hmm. till 10 and i had about eight students male and female at the time girl to my right just starts bawling next girl bawling next guy he says pass he didn't want to want to talk about it yeah. next person finally starts talking said well you know and and it's just pain and this mm-hmm. she just, this this person just starts talking about how bad physical abuse and, and, and just my dad was an alcoholic, very, very abusive. One young man, he just he looked up from from being bowed down, tears just running down his face. He said, he said, the only word I can think of is terror. That's how I would describe my relationship with my father's terror. He he used to beat my mother unmercifully as a drunken alcoholic and knock her unconscious. And he went, when I got old enough, I stood in the way and his you know dad knocked him unconscious he said when i was 11 he took a vacuum cleaner cord and he beat me so bad that the day i left my house blood was running down the back of my back i have never been home since then i hate my father well now you're talking to him about loving god your father so this gap of how do i love my father to Father God. To, How can you
0: believe in a good heavenly father when you've never seen a good earth? Right. Yes. And yep.
2: and so we just stopped and had prayer for this young man and began to try to really help him deal with this deep, deep rooted hurt. But it's time, and this fella had been in the program almost 11 months before that came out.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you never know when it, that, that leveled hurt is just going to kind of finally emerge. But when we can help them get Healing mm-hmm. from that, then they get to step up to a new level of freedom. That that can't control me any longer because mm-hmm. I'm a child of God. I've got friends that do love me, and I have a lo- heavenly Father that loves me. So we started taking them into, you know, the Book of John, First John, you know, to take them into the real love of God and understanding God's love and grace. And so, gosh, it's a, That's it's great. a never-ending challenge, but at the same time. To all the families that are listening today, I would just say there is hope. There's always hope, but the greatest hope is found in Jesus.
0: Sure. What kind of support systems do you find that are useful
2: for those who have family members that are addicts? Um, there's there's a program in Living Free that's exclusively designed for working with uh, the family members. And it's a nine-week program that, that pa- parents can go through and living free. And and it's really, really very effective. I would say even in their church, their local church, just being honest and getting into a small group setting, talking to, to others and finding some uh, others that can actually listen. Uh, Sober peer online, they can call and talk to coaches and counselors, that can speak life into them about the help that's available to them as a parent who is hurting, Thank you you know? So, um, but really it's, it's tough. You just gotta, they're going to have to kind of do a little bit of research and work at. Well, we're we're going to
0: include the resources you've mentioned today in our show notes so that people will be able to have access to that. Uh, As we're kind of wrapping up, John, you have any final questions for Jerry?
1: Yeah. I think the biggest thing is, um, you know, as as we're closing um, just to, Say somebody's out there, and they have a family member, friend. We've obviously given them some tools. Like to, today, in what way would you speak to them to encourage them? Because this this has to be devastating. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to encourage them that there is hope. Uh, one of the things we talked about the other day too is when you when you cure an addict that has been abusive or, or gone through these things, bad fatherhood issues or whatever. That literally you're saving their children and generations to come yeah. and everybody that they have contact with. So yeah. finding freedom for those people, it's just so important. Yeah. What would you say to that family member or that maybe that person even that's dealing with an addiction, like the urgency to go, Hey, stop denying things and take them on, yeah. confront the issues and, and find the help because there is hope in christ absolutely and teen challenge is a tool there's other right. tools oh yes but there but the but it's non-negotiable right like how do you how, what kind of uh things can you say to them to go hey today is the day go figure it out believe God pray but you have to confront the issue and then maybe follow that up with with praying for them as well
2: yeah, absolutely well there's It's, it's exactly like you said, it's tough love. The parents have got to stop enabling. If you ever want to see change, you can't keep enabling them. And so what you were saying is you got to stop and you've got to release. If you can pray and put your child on the altar and leave them there and not take them off, but leave them there, that means changing locks on your front door. I mean, mm-hmm. you may have to kick them out of your house. I mean, that's those are the hard decisions sure. because you have to stop giving them that opportunity. If they're not going to change, the parents have to start making the hard decisions. I got a call uh, probably three weeks ago from a couple, and and the, the boys in our young man's in his 40s. We are so tired. Great Christian couple. We have done that. We have dealt with this for year after year. And I guarantee you, you got listeners that are saying you're talking about me and my child, my sure. son. And she said, you know, we finally called the police on him, had mm. him arrested because he was so violent verbally in the home and throwing things and trash in the house. We called the police. They arrested him put him in jail. And then we changed the locks on the house when he came and knocked on door. Can I at least get a meal? No. Until you as a family stop. Do it. Mm. Remember the law of the harvest. Yeah. You got to they need to reap what they sow, because at some point it has to get bad enough where they say this is just time. It's time to change. So you said it, pastors, uh, you just have to as parents come finally come to, to quit being so merciful, which you want to have mercy. But mercy is saying no.
0: Yeah. I and mean, mercy has to be tempered with justice. Absolutely. That's the whole point about this podcast. You know, yeah. truth and grace. Amen. One, you know, if you ha- if if it's all about truth, you become legalistic. You know, you use truth as a weapon. If it's all about grace, it's it's squishy and it's enabling, yeah. and it's not really gospel centered. Right. And so we want to bring both of those. Mm-hmm. Um, thanks for being our guest today, Jerry. Oh, what a joy. Um, we always end our podcast with prayer, yep. praying for people. And so I'm going to ask you to pray for the families that are dealing with this issue in their life. So that's your camera right right. there.
2: So if you want any final words you Uh, want to address to them directly, and
0: then just lead out in prayer.
2: Well, just know that, first of all, that God loves you and he's heard your cry and he's listening. Some of you have gotten so hopeless and you're hurting so bad. You're weeping with us as you listen to these stories today. But I'm, I'm here to tell you that your child can change. God can do an incredible work in your child's life. And I know I may have challenged some of you with your, your enabling and trying so hard to help your child. But do the right thing and put them on the altar and stop paying the way for their mistakes. Father, I just thank you for every listener today. I would pray that God, your Holy Spirit, would enable that man, that woman, that father, that brother, that sister to do the right thing for their loved one or their friend. And God, that you would help them to, to really exhibit true grace, but also tough love, to just truly try and get that individual into a program where they can find change and find the hope they need and the restoration. Lord, we see so many gifts and so many talents. We've seen the enemy destroy so much talent because individuals just continue to make the wrong decisions for themselves. And so I I pray for the listeners today that God you will just enable them to sense a peace in their heart, an assurance and a confirmation that they know now what to do, and how to do it, and that they'll follow through with it. So know that we love you, know that Jesus loves you, and know that we're here and committed to help you help your loved one find hope and freedom from addiction.
0: Thanks for joining us this week. We always value your time, and uh, today you were the fourth member sitting at this table to join the conversation, so we're always glad you're with us. Come and join us next week when we're going to talk directly about how do we help those. Uh, It's a carryover from this week's discussion on how do we help addicts. And we'll deal a little bit more with the actual dynamics of addiction. So join us next week. In the meantime, if this information has been helpful, share it with friends, make a comment, and we look forward to having you back next week with Truth and Grace with John and Mark. Thanks so much for joining us. We know your time is valuable and we're so thankful you chose to spend it with us. The Christian life is not one we can live alone. Here at World Challenge, our constituent care team is here to pray for you. Give us a call at 1 833 WC Praise. That's 1 833 927 7297. John and Mark will be back next week to offer their insight into how believers can live, love, and lead well in a broken world. We'll see you next time.